So this morning, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to two places. We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 44, Isaiah chapter 44. I also want you to turn over to Acts chapter 2, Isaiah 44 and Acts chapter 2. And this morning, I'm going to preach a message just simply entitled, Where's Your Cup? Where's Your Cup? Now, I can tell you I made a huge mistake. Yesterday, I was at my mom's, we had dinner, and they said, what are you going to preach on? And I said, I'm going to preach on where's your cup? So they heckled me on and on and on (laughs) to the point where I thought, well, Lord, maybe I need to change the message. (laughs) But guess what? You're getting where's your cup because that's what I prepared all week. So (laughs) there you go. All right. So as we think about that question, where's your cup this morning? I want to start and I want to take you back to the early part of the 20th century. So if we go back to the early part of the 20th century, the drink of choice was beer and liquor. And they drank it out of a barrel. And often as they drank the beer and the liquor, they would use a communal cup to be able to reach in and drink from that. Well then, it was a push for a healthier alternative. They chose and decided, hey, water might be better than beer and liquor all the time. Imagine that. So as they decided to move towards water, the problem is this. They were still using the same cups, communal cups. And so you had a high increase in the spread of tuberculosis, and it makes sense. I mean, if you're using the same cup and you're drinking one after another, you can see how disease would be easy to spread. Now, I don't know about you, but if I think about drinking after people, even after my wife, I can drink water, tea, soda, after Tracy or someone, but milk, no way. (laughs) You get a glass of milk and you take a drink and then you set it back down and what happens to that milk? It just slides back down the side of the glass. (laughs) So if you drink milk after people, you're nasty, all right? (laughs) So let's just start right there. But now let's move forward just a little bit. As we go forward, we find ourselves now in 1907. And in 1907, you've got a lawyer based out of Boston. His name's Mr. Lawrence Lullen. And he designed a two-piece disposable cup made from paper. And he designs this cup to combat the diseases that were around. As you move forward to 1912, Lullen and his brother-in-law, Crumbine, partner together to create an advertising campaign. And this advertising campaign was to promote the use of a paper cup. They actually received a U.S. patent in 1912, and it became a health cup. So in 1912, you get the introduction of what's referred to as the health cup. As we move forward to 1918, you have the Spanish flu that creeps in and is killing between 50 and 100 million people around the world. As they began to combat that disease and look towards what the cause is there, Again, it relates back to those communal cups. And there was a greater emphasis to utilize the health cup or these disposable cups. You move to 1930 and the paper cup advances to include handles. Creation of the first solo cup, which actually was a paper cone. And now solo cups are still around today. 1942, Massachusetts State College conducted a study and they found that in hospitals, it is actually more sanitary 
and cheaper to utilize a paper cup than it is to sanitize glass cups or glassware. And not only that, it reduces the risk of cross-contamination. So as you move to today, obviously if we think about a cup, a cup is everywhere. I mean, there's disposable cups, there's paper cups. Everywhere you go, it's a part of our society today. And this morning I want to ask you, where's your cup? And if we think about a cup, obviously the logical thing that we do with a cup is we drink from a cup. That's the intent. And we drink water from a cup, understanding that it follows the rule of threes. If we think about what is the rule of threes, well, you can go three minutes without oxygen. You can go three days without water and three weeks without food. So we understand that water is necessary to sustain us. Water is what keeps us healthy and moves us forward. But as we look at our passage this morning, we ask that question, where's your cup? The answer is found both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Let's start this morning looking at Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44 as we begin looking in verse 1. It says, Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 1, Yea, now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and the floods upon the dry ground. And I will pour my spirit upon the seed, and my blessing upon the offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, and as willows by the water's courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's. Another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel." So as we begin to look in the Old Testament this morning, we find the reason for the question, where's your cup? It's found there right in the middle of the verse as we look in verse 3 of Isaiah 44. It says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. You better get your cup ready because God desires to pour a blessing on you. Not only does he desire to pour a blessing on you, but we understand in the Old Testament, this blessing is the indwelling or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you were to look in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. chapter 2 as we began to read there the day of Pentecost and we see that they're gathered in the upper room and in verse 4 there we see and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and those that gathered around and heard began to say what in the world is going on these men have to be drunken as to what's taking place here But as we look in Acts chapter 2 and we pick up in verse 14, we see this. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judah and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it, but the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. 
Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and the signs of the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So as we begin to study this morning and we begin to ask that question, where's your cup? The first thing I want to note for you and the first thing I want to ask is if we think about our cup, every single one of us with a cup come in empty. But can I tell you, if there's never come a point in your life Just like it says here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 21, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're walking around just like this, just an empty cup. Why would you want to walk around with an empty cup knowing that God desires to bless you richly? Not only does he want to bless you, but he wants to bless your family after you. He wants to so fill you with the Holy Spirit that you can rely on him. So let me ask you this morning, when you come into the service this morning, are you coming in like this? You see, God can't even fill your cup unless you ask him to. And you can't put yourself in the way of blessing. You can't put yourself in a position of blessing unless you turn your cup up and ask him to fill you. So my prayer first and foremost for you today is that everyone seated here could with confidence say, you know what? I can go back to a time and a place with certainty and know that I've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. I've asked him to fill me with his Holy Spirit because that's the promise made in Isaiah and Joel and comes true in Acts chapter 2. If we'll ask him to save us, it's his desire to indwell us with the Holy Spirit. And as we come in with the Holy Spirit, we can have our cup turned in the right direction and know that it's been full. So don't come in here today with excuses as to why I've never turned my cup up. Don't come in here with maybe so, hope so, my cup sideways. Come in here this morning with an assurance to know, you know what, I got my cup turned the right way and I can tell you with confidence, I've got the Holy Spirit living within me. That's how God desires to have you. That's how God desires that every single one of us would be. You see, somehow we get the idea that God's blessings are for everyone. And they're not. That's not at all what the Bible says. The Bible says God's blessings are reserved for those who've trusted and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. If we would go back to Isaiah chapter 44, he uses the terms. He says, I'm saving it for those that are the chosen one. He uses the word Jeshurun or the upright one. In Acts chapter 2, he says, those who have called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. His blessings will come only after we've trusted him as our personal Lord and Savior. You cannot go through life with your cup upside down and expect the blessings of God. It just can't happen. So let me encourage you this morning. Make sure your cup's right side up. Make sure you know for certain that there's come a time in your life that you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to save you. But my next question for you is this. Once we get that settled, once we know that I have the Holy Spirit of God residing and living in me, 
I'm going to ask you, what size cup do you have? What size cup do you have? You see, a lot of us have gotten saved and we're walking around and this is our spiritual cup right here. <laughs> a communion cup. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want a communion cup size salvation. I don't want a communion cup size indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If I'm thinking about what kind of cup I want, I'm going for the extra large. There is no reason to go into a gas station and not get the extra large. It just doesn't make sense to do otherwise. And if we think about what the Lord desires to do, he says, I want to fill you up. I want to pour out a blessing on you. Now, if we go back to Isaiah chapter 44, and we see that verse there right in the middle, he says, you know what? I want to pour water on a thirsty land. I want to build streams on the dry ground. I want to pour out my spirit on your offspring and on your blessings on your descendants. He says that it's my desire to pour out a blessing on you. Now, when we see the word pour used in this scripture here, he's not talking about a little drizzle or a little mist. You know, when we came into church this morning, there was just a little light mist, just enough to get on the windshield, maybe make it a little damp out there. That's not at all what God desires to do. God desires to pour a blessing on you. God desires to soak you a real drencher. God desires, put it in this perspective. Think about the mist this morning when we came into church and how it dotted the windshield and what it provided and compare that to Niagara Falls. If I compare that to Niagara Falls, and I think about Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls can flow 700,000 gallons of water per second in the summer and the fall. Niagara Falls can rush down, and it has the capability of producing 4 million kilowatts of energy that can be shared between the United States and Canada. Can I tell you, God desires to pour a gusher on you. God desires that you wouldn't be content with a communion-sized cup. He says, get you an extra large and make sure that you let me fill it up. But let's talk about something for just a second. We understand, first and foremost, that I got to know my cup's upright. I got to know that I have the Holy Spirit of God that's filling my cup. I'm not walking around with it sideways. I'm not walking around with it upside down. There's never been a point when I've asked the Holy Spirit of God to fill me, but I know with certainty that it's right side up, and I allow the Holy Spirit of God to fill me. Once I understand that, I got to make sure I got the right size. But here's where we live today. We live in a society where people are taking extra large that God desires to fill up, and guess what they fill it up with? Themselves. They fill it up with themselves. And as we see people taking the capacity that God desires and filling it up with themselves, you see, this cup can only hold so much. So people get all crafty and they say, well, if I just get light ice, it'll hold more drink. At the end of the day, it's still just going to only hold so much. So this morning, what are you putting in your cup? 
What are you putting in your cup? Because I can tell you, Satan would love nothing more than for you to be filling your cup up with bitterness. You see, if he can get you bitter and away from the things of God, he says, oh yeah, you can have the Holy Spirit, but just take a little bit. Put it in that cup of bitterness because eventually I can drown it out. Maybe this morning we're here and we're thinking, you know what, I've got my extra large cup. But I'm going to fill my extra large cup with unforgiveness. I'm going to hold a grudge and I'm going to just keep that spirit of unforgiveness. Well, in that spirit of unforgiveness, guess what? Satan desires just to fill that right on up and not allow you to be able to experience the blessing of God. Maybe this morning, it's stress. Maybe it's a situation. Something that's becoming all-consuming. And Satan wants nothing more than to get your focus off of the blessings of God and put it on your circumstances that are right before your eyes. Because if he can do that, he can just, again, fill you up with things that don't matter. Think about life. Today's problem is yesterday's memory. And it's a few more days before another problem comes around the corner. No matter what circumstance or what situation you find yourself in, we may sometimes think as if this is unsurmountable. I can't understand how this could be any worse than it is. Just hang on tight. (laughs) Because life has a funny way of just bringing things back around. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. Go back to what the scripture says. It says, you know what? If you've put your cup in the right direction and you've got the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, he desires to pour out a blessing to drench you with the goodness of his spirit. We do not have to be overtaken by ourselves and filling ourselves with things that just don't matter. We can do just the opposite. We can take whatever that situation is of the world and put it in us being full of the Holy Spirit and not let it make too big of a difference. So why would we reverse it? Why do we want to allow the Spirit to be overcome by the world? Let the Spirit overcome the world. Make sure the Spirit's overcoming the world. Listen, I'm just going to give you just a few promises and I'm sure that you've got them and you can quote as many as I can. But I just want to remind you this morning, what do you have in the Lord Jesus Christ? What is it that's been promised to you? John chapter 10 and verse 10 says this, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. God desires that you would have abundant life. You know what abundant life looks like? It looks like a smile on your face. Some of you are dehydrated. (laughs) You know what happens when you get dehydrated? Here's a sign. You know you're dehydrated if you take your skin and you pinch it, and if I let go, it stays raised. You know how I know you're dehydrated? Because your face has gotten a frown on it, and it's stuck that way. (laughs) Get you an extra large and get that frown off your face. God desires that you would live an abundant life in him. God desires that you would have the fruits of the Spirit to come forth. 
Galatians chapter 5, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. In John chapter 14 verse 27 it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. God desires that you would get in on his blessings and let that be what drives your countenance, what drives your joy, what drives your existence. Stop walking around dehydrated. So when you see somebody and they're all in the milligrubs and yeah, 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 complaining about everything, listen, I had a perfect opportunity to get up this morning knowing that I don't like this kind of weather. But I got up this morning and I made a conscious choice to say, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of this day. Thank you, Lord, that tomorrow when it's colder than today, I have to work in Florida. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. <laughs> that is coming my way. See, it's all about perspective. It's just what you put your focus on and where you want to look towards. But can I just remind you this morning that God desires to fill you up. God desires that you would overflow with his spirit, with his blessing. Listen, whatever goes in is what's going to come out. You want to know how full of the spirit someone is? Just listen to them for a little while. We can take it to the other extreme, and I won't go there. Just use your imagination. <laughs> Think about that for just a second. But this morning, I want to remind you. Number one, God says, I want to make certain every single one of you have got your cup in the right direction. Do you know for certain you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Number two, once I know my cup's in the right direction... What size cup are you drinking from? Do not be here when God promises here. Let it be here. And then the third aspect we got to ask ourselves is this. What am I putting in my cup? What am I putting in my cup? Are you putting that bitterness in there? Are you putting in that unforgiveness? Are you putting in that sin? Are you putting in... That stress? Are you putting in those circumstances? Are you putting in the fruits of the Spirit and the things of God? I'm going to close with this thought. You know what? If I got the right cup, and I got the right size, and I got the right stuff going in, here's the promise. You will never have to slurp again. You know what happens when you get to the restaurant and let's say you're eating Mexican and you take that spicy bite and you're like, where is the blame waiter or waitress? I'm dying here. I'm at the end of my drink. I've eaten all the ice at this point and you take your straw and you're just trying to get all you can. Or you've eaten that dry bite and you can't get a refill. Let me tell you something. 
If you get the right cup in the right size filled with the right thing, you'll never have to ask for a refill. It will continually be full. You'll never, ever find yourself in a situation asking for a refill. We'll close this morning looking over in Ephesians chapter 3. Flip with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul to the church at Ephesus, he prays this prayer. And this prayer he prays begins in verse 14. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ with patches all knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ's sake throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Look at that promise that he makes for us there. He says, you get the right cup in the right size filled with the right thing and this is the culmination of what I have for you. He starts out in verse 16 and he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. God desires to strengthen your inner man so that no matter what comes your way, you're ready to fight that. In verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ. Can I tell you this morning more so than anything else? God wants you to know that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, just for you. That's the greatest love that could ever be expressed. And his desire is that you would know the love of Christ. What are the characteristics of the love of Christ? Passes all knowledge. And that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, what does it mean to be filled what does it mean to be filled? Again, you're never going to have to ask for a refill because you're filled with the fullness of God. To be filled with something is to let that be the controlling influence. If we were to flip over to Ephesians chapter 5, or chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. To be filled with something is to be filled with the fullness of God. It means that God is the controlling influence in my life. It means that it doesn't matter what my thoughts may be, my hopes may be, my relationships may be, my words, my actions, my reactions, my checkbook, my calendar, no matter what comes my way, whether I've got the decision to be angry, sad, lonely, righteously indignant, I have the opportunity to say, I want the fullness of God. I want God to control me and not the circumstance. Allow God to control you and not the circumstance. Imagine what Smith County could be if everybody just lived by that principle. 
to let God control them and not the circumstance. You know what, though? We live in a world where people are so full of themselves that they lose sight of God all the way around. You know, and my brother, he shared something. It, it ties right into this. In his church, he said he's got a situation. And in that situation, he said, we had a business meeting to vote on that. And through the course of that, you wouldn't believe the phone calls that people were making to one another. You wouldn't believe the things that they're Googling and searching out. You wouldn't believe the conversations that are being had with people outside of that circle of influence. You wouldn't believe all the opinions that were coming in and then the opportunity to share all those opinions. And he made a very poignant statement. He said, you know what? I'm okay with all that. But not one person said, you know what? This is what God told me. But you know, if we're really being honest, that's every single one of us. We get so caught up in the situation in the circumstance, in the reality of life, that it's real easy to share our opinion and to say exactly what we think and how things ought to be when all the while God says, you know what, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you got the right size cup and it's filled with the right thing and you don't have to ask for a refill, you don't have to live that way because you can just base everything on, you know what, I've got a right relationship with God. This is what God said. And I'm going to just be flat honest with you. Most of the time, you know what God says? Keep your mouth shut. That's what God's saying. Keep your mouth shut. Let me just take care of it. I really don't need your help to take care of this thing. If we would be fully yielded to what God could do, watch out. Watch out. Just see what could happen. I promise you, God knows far better than we do of what we truly need. But if we consider that and that feeling that's there that God desires to do, you know what? He wants to do that in us individually and he wants to do it in us collectively. As individuals, if we'll get right with God and get where we need to be with God and then we come to church and collectively we're all where we need to be with God, look what he can do right here in Grosses Creek Baptist Church. You see, whether you realize it or not, every single Sunday when we walk into this place, how much of the Spirit of God are you carrying with you? When you come in this place, is this how much of the Spirit of God you got that you're bringing in with you? And here's all the circumstances of the world? Or are you yielding yourself to God and saying, I want to bring this much of God into this place? And let the circumstances of the world be drenched out by that. Think about what could happen if we all came in being yielded to the Spirit of God. But you know what goes on to say this. If you'll be filled with the Spirit of God, He wants to do abundantly all that we ask. The words used there are infinitely and abundantly. And if we think about him doing infinitely and abundantly all that we ask or think, that means he wants to do what we ask in prayer, what we fail to ask but we imagine, all that you ask or imagine 
above all that you ask or imagine, abundantly above all that you ask or imagine, and infinitely abundantly all that you ask and imagine. God's got it. He can take care of it. And the power lies within you. So this morning we're going to close with the questions that we started at. He is capable of just pouring out abundantly and infinitely above what you can imagine. So the first question is this. Where's your cup? Is it turned in the right direction? Has there been a time in your life when you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come to your heart and save you? It's at that moment that he'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, all the promises that pour out a blessing on you and your family and your descendants, it will not happen if your cup's upside down. Do you realize this morning, all you got to do is just put yourself in a way of blessing and just ask, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what was prophesied in Joel came true at the day of Pentecost. When we call upon the name of the Lord, not only shall we be saved, but we shall be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So what size cup do you have this morning? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Or are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? There's a huge difference between the two. And what's in your cup? What's in your cup? Once you get the right cup in the right size, filled with the right thing, you don't have to ask for a refill. It just keeps on giving and giving and giving. And to know the love of Christ with passionate all knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now I'm going to leave you with this image, and this is how we can go out of here this morning. In Psalm chapter 81, God desires to just speak to the Israelites who's just delivered out of Egypt. And in Psalm 81, in verse 10, it says this. It says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. You know how we can leave this morning? Forget the cup. <laughs> Open up your mouth and let him fill it. That's how he wants us to be. Abundantly and infinitely above all that we can ask. Quit limiting God of what he desires to do in your life. Kick your head back, open your mouth, and let him fill it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we close the message this morning, Lord, we just thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. We just thank you for your desire to work in our hearts and our lives, Lord. Lord, no doubt this morning, as we gather in, there may be one here that says, you know, I just don't know for certain with a surety that there's been a time when I've asked the Holy Spirit to come into my life and to save me. And Lord, you don't desire that we'd have a hope so, a maybe so salvation. You want us to have a no so salvation. And Lord, we don't have to complicate it. We don't have to get things in order. We don't have to make things right. We just simply have to turn up our cup and just ask you to save us. And with that, Lord, you desire to save us. 
So Lord, my first prayer this morning is that if there be one here that doesn't know he's their personal Lord and Savior, may you start to make them uneasy in their seat right now, Lord. May you just begin to draw them unto yourself, Lord, and let them recognize that's the Holy Spirit of God. There's no greater feeling than to be nudged by the Holy Spirit of God, recognizing that's the promise of an eternity and that's the promise to the great blessings you have for us. And Lord, for us as Christians this morning, as we are under the sound of your word, Lord, may we examine our lives and ask ourselves, what size cup am I coming with? Am I limiting what you can do in the size of a communion cup? Lord, do I desire to throw my head back and just let you fill me, Lord, with all the blessings you promised for me? Lord, may we not be short-sighted or sell you short for what you desire to do in our lives. Lord, we just want to give you all the praise and the glory and honor for all you desire to do and all you want to accomplish in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.